Welcome to the Elevate podcast, brought to you by the Registered Master Builders. Each week we explore the ideas and practices that help us get the best from our businesses, our teams, and ourselves. I'm your host, Ryan Castle. We talk to experts, advocates, and business owners in the construction industry to share their knowledge, insights, and experiences to help you build a better business and enjoy a better life. Now let the business building begin. My name is Ryan Castle. I'm here with the Master Builders. We help with the Elevate Learning Platform, which many of you will be familiar with. And I'm delighted to be joined by Nassim today from Working In. Um, Nassim is a lawyer and helps with all the visa processing. And there's some really significant changes coming up in the way um, immigration and bringing people to the country and adding to that workforce is happening now. And Nassim's going to give us a really good uh, insight into that. Uh, I think we are all really aware that there is uh, phenomenal demand in the construction market at the moment. Uh, we work with many of the master builders members and many of them are saying to us, you know, access to skilled labor is a real challenge from the moment. Uh, absolutely no problem getting uh, work in the door. Uh, there seems to be a lot of demand around, which is fantastic. Uh, of course, that excess demand is creating issues for us on the supply side, both in materials and uh, access to, to labor. So um, one of the things we are Asked for in this is we went to uh, Minister Chris Farfoy. He is the uh, Minister of Immigration. So we asked him to um, actually join us. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it, uh, but he has recorded a video for us to give us a bit of insight to how the government's currently thinking about immigration. So in terms of our agenda today, uh, I'm just going to play that video for you from Minister Farfoy, and then we'll come come back in, uh, reconnect with Nassim, and Nassim's going to take us through a presentation and give us some insight into the changes that are coming up uh, in the environment. And now I'm just going to play our video from Minister Farfoy. So let me share that with you all. Hi, everyone. My apologies for not being able to be with you live for the webinar, but thank you for the opportunity to talk through the government's immigration priorities. We recognise the construction sector's contribution in creating a safer New Zealand for all by building safe and quality homes for New Zealanders. The employment, health and economic opportunities that provides is vital for our well-being. We also acknowledge the challenges the sector faces in addressing its labour shortages to keep up with demand and we're committed to ensuring that the sector can access migrant workers in a way that still balances our overall objectives. As you all know, in March of 2020, the government closed our borders in order to protect New Zealanders and our economy from the impact of COVID-19. A small number of exceptions to the tight border restrictions have been introduced, but the bar entry for entry remains high. We will continue to consider lifting border restrictions when it's safe to do so, as you can see with the opening of the Trans-Tasman bubble. Given ongoing uncertainties around the world, it's difficult to put specific timeframes on future decisions. We acknowledge the critical role that your sector plays in assisting New Zealand recover from the economic impact of COVID-19 and we've developed a range of initiatives to manage these impacts. In June of last year, Cabinet agreed to a border exception for other critical workers. And these workers include those who have unique experience and technical or specialist skills that are not readily obtainable in New Zealand or are undertaking a time critical role for the delivery of an approved major infrastructure project or a government approved programme. The major infrastructure projects list includes all projects on the Infrastructure Commission pipeline with costs over $100 million and the Kainga Order Build and other urban development programme is on the government approved programmes list too. As out of February of this year, 435 highly skilled construction and infrastructure workers had been approved to enter New Zealand under this exception. 
So demand for managed isolation continues to be high, with returning New Zealand citizens and residents making up the majority of those entering MIQ. However, the government stands by its manifesto commitment that 10% of MIQ space be allocated for critical workers. We acknowledge that the current tight border settings and MIQ capacity limits the number of migrants coming into field labour shortages and in response we have made a number of adjustments and extensions to immigration settings to fully utilise the onshore workforce and if and when it is safe to look at any further extensions we are open to it. Looking into the future, we have a few other upcoming immigration changes that are relevant to your sector. In September 2019, Cabinet committed to making changes to the way employers can sponsor a migrant for temporary work visas and agreed to a sequence gateway framework in order to do this. The system will consist of an employer gateway, a job gateway and a migrant gateway. And these changes will apply to employers who currently sponsor migrant workers under essential skills visas. The new temporary work visa is designed to ensure employers are able to access migrants in a way that does not displace New Zealanders from jobs. It's also designed to reduce migrant exploitation as well as fostering better connections with our education, training and welfare systems. And importantly, it's a system we want to ensure is easy for employers to understand. Getting skilled workers should be easier as a result of these new policy changes. All employers will need to be accredited under the Employer Gateway in order to get approval to recruit for a role under the Job Gateway. Some employers who expect to recruit six or more migrants will have to meet additional requirements, including showing us they're committed to improving pay and conditions and importantly training and employing New Zealand workers over time. Triangular employers like labour hire companies and franchises have been identified as presenting higher risks of exploitation based on the business model that they use. There will be additional requirements to mitigate the risks in triangular employment. For example, they will need to show evidence of having good systems in place to monitor the employment conditions and safety of their migrants while in their care of third controlling parties. Look, that's enough from me for now. I hope you found some of the high-level policy direction useful as both the sector and government cracks on with our recovery work. As always, officials and the team at Immigration New Zealand are always here to deal with particular issues or questions. Take care. Alrighty, so messaging there from the from the minister. Uh, for me, Nassim, someone who's not particularly familiar with uh, immigration and, and what happens, for me that seemed like a massive stream of information to, to take in. Gateways and access and not access and six employees and not. Uh, are you going to be able to help us distill this down and, and understand a bit more about what's what's been going on there? Absolutely. We'll go into each of those little bits in a little bit more detail. For anyone that's out there today who's like, I still want to have a one-on-one -on -one chat, you're more than welcome to contact us. We're immigration and recruitment specialists, worked in the construction space. We'll be able to answer the questions for you. Brilliant, the same. Um, as the Minister said, lots of changes coming. Um, we thought COVID was the fun year. There's more for us in store this year. Um, so just an introduction as to who I am. Um, my name's obviously Nassim. I was born in the US, raised in Australia, studied law, got admitted to the bar in Sydney, um, was smart enough to marry a Kiwi, move over to um, good old New Zealand um, with my two young children many moons ago. And I've been doing immigration, um, specifically immigration uh, work for 10 years uh, with working in the whole time. So I'm licensed advisor for New Zealand as well as Australia. Um, and over the last decade I've helped thousands of migrants and almost thousands of companies um, with their um, migrant work staff uh, primarily in the construction space that's um, basically been the the bulk of the work that I've done or at least my and my team has done. Great.
A licensed immigration advisor is someone who is authorised and registered in order to be able to provide immigration advice for um, New Zealand. I'm also a registered migration agent, meaning that I'm also able to provide immigration advice related to Australia. Um, that's been particularly helpful because lots of construction companies um, in New Zealand that we work with also have operations in Australia. And over time, they have needed to flick staff over um, both sides of the Tasman. So that means that you can make sure that you're taking advantage of all options, depending on where you're operating. Right. Thanks. So specifically about these upcoming changes, um, there's a few, um, and you might have noticed um, that over the last year and a half, a few of those have already started being rolled out by the government. So what we do know is that in September 2019, um, immigration was, uh, they confirmed that there's some uh, very significant policy changes that would be rolled out uh, specifically in relation to employers. So the minister just referred to um, migrant exploitation and, and you know, changing the system. Part of what they've decided is that these changes are going to help strengthen the um, temporary um, immigration policies. And part of those changes, some of the main ones, um, and these are the ones, ones that affected um, a lot of our clients in the construction space. Firstly was the changes to the talent accredited employer work visa policy. Um, so for any companies that are here today that hold current accreditation um, and have used that in the past, I'm sure you found that that's been a great tool um, in order to recruit and um, hire migrant workers. Unfortunately, that accreditation is no longer going to exist and you're going to have to apply for the new accreditation. Um, it also means that the types of visas that your um, workers will be eligible for is going to change slightly as well. Um, as part of this temporary work visa policy change, um, the minister referred to the fact that essential skills was going to be replaced. Uh, it was not the only one, the work to residence visa was replaced. They got rid of a bunch of other ones that most people in the construction space, such as Silver Fern and the other that probably didn't hear about anyway, they're gone as well. Um, and so that permanent closure of visa policies has meant that unfortunately, everything that you might have known up until this point and you've been able to use is being completely replaced with something completely different. Um, it's not all scary. Um, some things will be similar and we'll be able to uh, assist you with anything that, that um, you don't necessarily um, have any experience with. So the first change is that that's coming. It was originally earmarked for um, April, so now. Then they made it July um, and at the immigration seminars that we ran a couple of weeks ago with Immigration New Zealand for employers, it was confirmed that the, the rollout of this accreditation, the new accreditation requirement or gate one um, has been pushed out to later this year. They've used the term loosely third quarter. So we're not sure if that's September, October, maybe November. Um, as to when every employer in New Zealand is going to have to have accreditation in order to hire an, a migrant worker. So what's really, really important to know is existing staff won't suddenly have their visas um, chopped off and they'll have to start again. So if you've got currently got staff on a visa and it's valid until I don't know, 2023, those guys are fine. It's for any new people that you look to hire, you're going to have to be accredited. 
if you've got existing staff whose visas are expiring this year, when you go to renew them, even though they've previously been staff, uh, been staff, again, you're going to have to be accredited in order for them to continue working for you. Now, what we know is that um, in the past, employers that had the talent accreditation status were able to use this as a, as a um, recruitment means. Um, if, if you had that, you were able to attract more skills, more, more uh, migrant workers would, would choose you over someone um, down the street that wasn't accredited. So what, what this will mean is for any company that has had migrant workers or thinks they're going to need migrant workers, you're going to have to have this to ensure that you can basically stay um, commercially um, competitive. Um, because if you can't hire you know, specific people in the country, your, your talent pool access has just been cut. So that's just something really, really important to, to consider. Now, the current talent. So I think I should probably just apologize. I'm gonna use the same word over and over again, but it'll refer to different policy instructions. When we held our seminar up in Wellington, um, we had um, one of the policy advisors, technical policy advisors from Immigration New Zealand um, join us. And we asked the question, why did they call it accreditation again? And he said, oh, we asked the same question about how that was, you know, why would we do that? That's really, really confusing. Um, and unfortunately, the government decided that even though it was confusing, um, it is still a form of accreditation. So they're just going ahead with the same term. So sorry that I keep saying talent accreditation, new accreditation. Um, it's, I didn't get to pick the, the names of the policies. Um, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just trying to let you guys know. Don't that. shoot the messenger. Yeah, don't, don't shoot the messenger. Um, sometimes some decisions don't make sense to us that have to then um, roll with it, but that's okay. So the, the new um, temporary work policies that are being implemented will mean that the existing talent will no longer exist. So anybody that currently uses their accreditation to um, attract, recruit and retain work to residence migrants, um, that visa will no longer be available. So if you've got anyone that you're thinking that um, is close to the current um, earnings threshold, which is uh, 38.25 per hour. Um, now would be the time to look to see if you can justify with as part of your budgeting and workforce planning to increase their pay um, and get them onto that visa um, because that, that opportunity is going to be taken away. And what we do know is that the policy that's likely to look even remotely similar to that will be looking at an even higher base rate um, which will be twice the median wage. So at the moment, that's over 106,000. Um, so that will increase as well in the future. So um, what we've seen in the last couple of years is that the earnings requirements in order to support visas under specific policies just keeps increasing. Um, the reason why I've said in that last page to consider moving to, um, to the policies now is that it's always easier to prepare for things based on what's currently in front of you and what you know. So now we've got the description of the new types of accreditation. So the minister um, did refer to these briefly um, when, as part of his video. So as he said, it'll depend on how many migrant staff you're looking to um, hire in a 12-month in a period. So the standard um, accreditation is if you're employing between one and five migrants. So um, 
depending on the size of your company, um, that might seem like a lot or hardly anything at all. High volume is just one extra person. So I don't know how five isn't a lot and then six suddenly is, um, but that's how they decided to um, differentiate the policy. And if there's anyone that's uh, currently accredited under the talent policy or has looked into what that policy uh, requires, the high volume um, accreditation is going to be most similar to what we've currently got. So um, the minister was very, um, very good at explaining it as just a couple of additional requirements. Um, anyone who's gone through the process of putting one of those applications together knows it's quite a bit of work. Um, it, but it's not impossible. Um, it's just something that you're just going to have to work through as, as a company. And the high risk employer accreditation. Now, anyone who is um, a labor hire company might already have um, labor hire accreditation under the current um, policy instructions. So labor hire accreditation is currently mandatory for any construction uh, labor hire companies operating out of um, Canterbury. It's not, um, it hasn't currently been uh, mandatory for construction companies in other regions, but I know that a lot of other, other labor hire companies have, have gone through that process um, to, to get prepared um, and, and to show to uh, Immigration New Zealand that they're the right types of, you know, employers out there. So um, high risk, there's not, not so much franchises that are relevant to construction, but la labor hire, if you're a labor hire company, you would fall within that group as well. With the, with the standard accreditation, um, what you'd be doing is, is looking at the current accredit, like the current talent accredited requirements. Um, and you'd provide basically everything that's there with a little less emphasis on the requirement to prove that you're um, have, a, have a detailed or specific plan with regards to increasing wages um, and maybe not as much requirement to show um, how you're upskilling and training New Zealanders to fill those roles. So, okay. but um, I think the idea is that the way that this the policy has been written is to make it a little bit easier for, for smaller operations, which would sort of fit in line with what um, the minister said that, you know, they're looking at ways to, to help the construction industry because they understand that uh, you guys are the backbone of our economy at the moment, so mm -hmm. <laughs> you. So just really, really quickly, the standard accreditation will be a slightly easier version of the current talent. And then the high volume will be similar to um, the current talent accreditation um, because of that additional requirement for um, the training and the, the wage increase sort of plans. But the minister did refer to the three-stage process. And what, what this means is at the moment, um, you offer a job to someone and you might fill out an employer supplementary form. You pat them on the back and you say, come back to me when your visa's been sorted. Or if you're using um, a uh, sort of an agent like ourselves, a licensed immigration advisor to manage that process for you, they're doing all of that and they come back and they say, here's the visa. What's going to happen is, is currently it's just the one application. It's been split into three parts. The first one being that all employers are going to have to be accredited and that's gate one. Um, and as part of that, the part of these changes that are coming in is they're going to be looking at pay to categorize whether a role is skilled or not. So um, it was, I think July last year where they replaced the skills bands with the median wage. 
So because of the, the way that things change, we've had this sort of progressive like sort of um, slide down the hill as to what's required and what's not required. Once upon a time, visas were issued just based, the length of time was just based on um, your ANSCO skill level code. So for lots of trades workers, that was skill level three. Um, and, you know, uh, anyone that was on the tools was basically three. You had some four and fives and any of your more supervisory roles would be skill level one or two. What that meant was, is that people either got a five-year visa, a three-year visa or a one-year visa. They then decided we're going to put pay against these different um, ANSCO skill levels because we don't want people saying that they're a manager at $20 an hour and getting a five-year visa because that doesn't make sense in the real world. So what they did was that they included these skills bands and they said, for example, carpenters are a skill level three, so they need to be paid between this rate and this rate and then, then they'll get a three-year visa. That's been replaced again and we're now looking at... Um, median wage. So the government's decided that they'll use the median wage to determine whether someone is skilled or not. And then on that basis, there will be a determination as to how long that visa will be issued for and what extra requirements um, an employer would have to provide to support that visa application. And Asim, is that uh, view of the median wage, is that across the country or across all industries probably more, more specifically or is it like do they look at the construction sector and go what's the median wage in the construction sector no it's basically across the board um, doesn't matter where in the country you might be placed uh, it doesn't matter what your role is so uh, i guess they decided it's easier just to say here's the line if you're above it you're skilled if you're below it we've decided that you're not as skilled so we're going to give you a shorter visa so understand the simplicity, but uh, it could lead to a bit of challenge. Um, different, already, different industries. It's already proving to be um, an issue for some for some industries and some roles. Um, it's been great for others. So for example, concreters used to always be considered a low skilled role and it didn't matter how much they were getting paid, they would only ever get $12 an hour. With the change to the median wage, we're now getting three year visas for a lot of concreters because even though the government thinks there's an oversupply, um, the right type of skilled concreter is still hard to find. Um, and so those individuals are earning, in most cases, above the, the current median wage. And so we're getting three-year visas. Gee, might be time to retrain. That might be. <laughs> um, so some of the other things that, that are coming, um, so they've already, they've already strengthened the labour market test by saying, if you're lower paid, we're going to make the employer do more things. Um, and, and what's still to come is the ability for lower paid workers to bring their families into New Zealand. The reason why that's still to come is because the borders are closed and no one's allowed to apply at the moment. So had that been the case, it would be a little bit easier. So these are the three steps um, that the minister referred to. The employer check, which is basically once a year for employers. Um, you become accredited and they'll go, great, you've done step one. And then for each um, position or role, um, you would do a job check and that's where they would check what they do as part of the current visa process, but they've split that um, just into the two parts. Um, it also makes a little bit more sense because you traditionally you'd have an individual who submitted an application and they might get an email saying, oh, we're a little bit concerned about your employer because we're not sure that they advertise and that they should have offered you the job or we want to check their financials and that was really inappropriate to be sending to the individual um, 
there's nothing worse than thinking that um, your potential employee has been asked about the financial viability of your business. <laughs> so the fact that that's been split is actually a good thing, um, but it does mean that the process will take a little bit longer and the government's um, now adding an additional cost as part of that process as well. Um, so some good, some bad. Um, and then the third step, which is the worker check is the what the worker would currently be doing anyway, which is to prove that they've got the skills to do the job, um, they meet the health and character test, um, and so then they can have the visa issued to them. Pay rates are very, very um, sensitive, um, and the government's identified that this is a really, really easy way to control um, application numbers. <laughs> um, so it'd be good for everyone to to know what's coming so that you can then better plan um, your workforce, um, especially in this year, before some of these additional changes come into effect, because um, you could potentially use the opportunity now to, to look at people's wages and see if there's an opportunity to move them up um, if they're on a visa um, to keep them for, for longer, because otherwise it might cost you a lot more in the future that you can't justify. Um, otherwise, they're only gonna be getting short like six month visas. So I referred to the median wage before. So the median wage um, is set by Statistics New Zealand, obviously based on all the payments everyone in the country is getting. So as minimum wage is increasing, that obviously automatically increases the median wage. So the median wage for immigration um, policy is currently set at 2550 that's not the actual median wage in the country. The actual median wage is $27 an hour, um, but the, the government announced that they would hold off the introduction of the move to $27 an hour um, as a respite uh, in line with, you know, everyone trying to deal with COVID. So if you've got a current employee on a visa that's gonna be expiring this year or early next, I would be considering what they're currently on and whether or not you can move them to $25.50 $25 an hour. The reason being is that if we do that now, before July, when the minimum requirement will be $27, you could support them and obtain a three-year visa now as opposed to a six-month visa. If obviously their wages is already above that, you know, you've got less things to worry about, but this is something to consider. The other thing to consider is if you obtain a three-year visa now before the requirement for the accreditation, it means you can keep your existing staff and you don't have to worry about losing staff and being able to deliver on your existing projects. So um, as part of my work, obviously deal with a lot of employers and everyone's always stressed not only about finding the right staff, but then being able to keep them. The current climate, the borders being closed, the increase in wages, um, the changes to accreditation that are coming has meant that you've got more movement um, between companies than ever before. Lots of migrant staff um, are aware of the changes and they're worried about their ability to remain um, living and working in New Zealand. And so if they're not getting um, the answers that they want to hear from you, even if you're working on it in the background, um, if someone comes and says, hey, you can come and work for me, you've got the same job, pay you you know the same or slightly higher and I'll get you your three-year visa now then it's likely that that individual will leave to go and work for a competitor so um, we're seeing it 
very heavily within the construction space. Um, and so for those companies that polled earlier and said, you know, we've got two to three, if those two to three individuals um, are crucial to your business and losing them now would be devastating, these might be, you know, considerations and conversations you should be having internally about whether or not you can be supporting them with a further visa now. Um, effectively to kick the, the, the problem and the can down the road so that you can secure your workforce and then worry about accreditation as the next bit um, in your list of things that the government's uh, now requiring to you to do. Um, so what, what we normally do is when we're working with companies is we look at all of their staff, we look at what their pay rates are, when their visas are expiring um, and whether or not um, losing, how big a risk losing that individual is um, to operations and then we can decide does it make sense even if they've got six months left on their visas to obtain another three-year visa now um, just so that there's that continuity and we can obtain visas under the current policy where we know what the requirements are and we know how we can we can better control what the outcome is going to be mm -hmm. you know the essential skills policy as it is although it's changed quite a bit in the last three years it's still a known quantity Yes. Um, stuff that's around the corner is a little bit, well, how strictly are they going to be um, assessing accreditations? Are they going to make it too hard for me? What is this job check going to look like? What other steps are they going to, you know, or hurdles is, is there going to be? So it's and, and with, mitigating risk. Yeah, and with the implementation of any new system, it always uh, has some, some bumps in it. Uh, and I think as you alluded to earlier, the time it takes is probably going to extend. So as an organisation, you don't want to be in that situation where you've got great people, you've invested in training them, you've got them around to your way of thinking as, a, as an organisation, and then their visa runs out, you've got a new one being processed, but it doesn't come in, and then you know potentially lose them. So some fast mover advantage would be... Uh, uh, sensible. Um, Chimu, great, we could answer that one for you. Um, I have a question for you, Nassim, and it's just around that uh, hourly rate. Given your exposure to the construction sector, are you seeing many people that are below that $27 an hour threshold, or are most of the people you're processing visas for kind of actually above that anyway? At the moment, um, I don't see hardly anything under $25.50. I can't even remember the last time I've seen anything under $25.50. You've got most things being um, submitted to Immigration New Zealand now at sort of 25.50 to 28. And um, obviously it depends on the specific role and the location. Um, but some companies that are offering 25.50, they've got a very clear plan as to what the salary increase progression is like um, so that people have something to, I don't know, work towards, you know, whether it's adding extra tickets or skills or whatever it might be. Um, but at the moment, the primary concern is for a lot of migrants is how do I secure that three-year visa? The borders haven't been have been closed for so long. Um, I don't want to go back to wherever I was and I want to secure that visa so that I can support my family who might have got stuck overseas to come into the country because I'll hold a median wage um, three-year visa. All right, so moving on. I, I thought I'd briefly talk about border exemptions um, because as um, the minister also mentioned, um, the construction space has been given, um, you know, special consideration. You have access to border exemptions um, more easily than any other industry. The, the only other sort of main things that you would have heard about in the media were the fishing, the fisheries guys, the fishing guys came in and then they left. Um, it, and it was only a specific occupation only. 
Um, and then you also had the, the RSC workers, so the seasonal workers who came in to help with, um, you know, basically our fruit and vegetable export. Horticulture and, yep. Yeah. Now, those were very, very specific, and that was a very specific role for a specific industry, um, and you had to fit within a very, very narrow box. Within the construction space, um, it's basically, we, internally we refer to them as unicorns. So if you have someone that you think this person is a unicorn, they're going to do this job and that they're unique um, and they're specialist, and you're going to be working on one of those infrastructure um, projects that have already been identified. There's a whole list of infrastructure projects. Um, if you're part of that, then you might be able to get a border exemption uh, for any um, particular skills that you can't obtain here in New Zealand. So with the border exemptions, uh, everyone, we talk about the borders being closed, but we know it's a sieve. We've had lots of, we've helped hundreds of people come into New Zealand with border exemptions. The majority of those in the construction space, because obviously that's what we do. Um, to be able to get the border exemption, you need to be able to show that your the candidate is going to fit one of those critical categories. So not only are, do they have the specific skills um, that are time critical and, and quite unique, but that the work they're going to be doing is on one of those infrastructure projects. That means that you've got more of the boxes ticked already in order to get through the process. Um, unfortunately, if you're hiring people still through a border exemption, at the moment, everyone still does have to do the, the quarantine uh, at MIQ for 14 days. Um, but as the minister also um, advised, 10% of spaces are put aside specifically for um, those critical, other critical workers that are coming in through this policy. So it might not be um, for everyone here, but you know there are some individuals that are having to come in to do very, very bespoke um, work. Some of them are just flying in, doing the work and then flying out. Others are flying in and are going to be staying. So it really depends on um, the specific role that's being filled um, and which project and what their role is. Um, but if anyone is contracted to do any of the, the approved infrastructure projects and is wanting to know how we might be able to help, um, you can get in touch and we can, we can go through those options for you. Um, the other... The other thing to consider with um, the border exemptions is that it appears as though our borders are probably going to be closed um, in one way or another until the end of this year. And so it becomes even more important to look at your existing staff and figure out how you can make sure that they feel secure and that they want to stay with you and not go to a competitor. Because um, as you know, the talent pool went like this. We had no one coming to join it, we had some people leave. And so um, who you can access to, to do the work that you need to do is, um, it's gotten considerably harder than it has been in the past. Nassim, let me ask a real, uh, maybe layperson question. So I'm an employer, uh, I pay for all the expense of getting a uh, migrant uh, employee into my business, paid all the agents fees, I've done training with them, they're all good. Is there, is there anything contractually that says, um, hey, look, because I've, I've sponsored you and you need to stay with my organization for a period of time, or um, uh, a reimbursement of fees or costs to bring you in? I, I'm just trying to get an understanding of can, is it is, what, from an employee's perspective, employer's perspective, you know, can they put a whole lot of work to bring people in, they get on the ground with their visa and then go, cool, now I'm going to the competition. How does that work? Um, so what a lot of companies 
will do because you're legally able to is um, basically to offer it's almost like a loan or um, a relocation package um, that has conditions tied to it so if those conditions conditions are that you know we're, we're going to come we'll pay for these expenses on your behalf because we even though we don't have to with the idea that you're staying with us for you know x or y period of time then that's way to to you know get some of that payment back if if it's required. The cost that you can't pass on um, is anything related to the recruitment. So if you've paid, you know, your advertising and, and stuff like that, you can't, if you've paid a recruitment fee to a recruiter and then the individual leaves, you can't go back to the individual and, and, and get that money. Um, so, so what some companies will do is, is that they'll um, tell individuals, we'll give you a loan or you can pay, rather you, you can pay for the, um, the relocation and then we'll reimburse you afterwards. Um, that's happening at the moment with um, because you've got some people who are so highly skilled that um, multiple people are offering them the same job, and everyone's you know all these unicorns are potentially you know incurring costs. And then these individuals, because they're not having to pay for it, they might think, oh well, it doesn't matter. I'll just I'll just take whichever offer I feel like on the day. So there are, there are measures that you can put in place um, to protect yourself and make sure that you're not incurring costs that you can't recoup. Okay. But you can't contract a person for a period of time. You can't say, if I, if I help you with your visa and you come in, you must stay working for me for 12 months. Can't do that? No, the individual no. will always have the ability to, to leave the way that any other New Zealander would be able to leave. Um, the only exception to that is... Um, if you recruit from the Philippines and you recruit through the legal POEA process, um, although you can't stop the individual in New Zealand um, leaving your employment, you can start a legal process in the Philippines. So um, what's important to note, and sometimes that, that will stop the individual from wanting to go because it has ramifications for them, um, but uh, generally it's important to know that you can't the word bond is used. Um, yes. What we need to remember is that people are not slaves. Yes. <laughs> and if you couldn't impose those same um, restrictions on a New Zealand citizen, you won't be able to do it on a migrant worker. And it comes back to the same thing. If you want to create a good work environment, uh, create an environment that people want to stay stay in, uh, totally understand. So, yep, thanks for clarifying that, Nassim. Not a problem. We're just coming to the end. I just thought it'd be great to know for everyone to know that we... Every, I understand that every company is unique, that you're different, you've got different projects, you're a different size, you work with you know, other, other companies. And, and so what we do is we look at making sure that any advice that we give you is, is tailored specific to you. Everything that I've said today has been general in nature. Um, and so um, not quite as high level as what the minister said, um, but uh, unfortunately, it's not necessarily specifically um, to yourselves, though, as I said, more than happy um, for myself or anyone in the team to have a chat so we can figure out how we can, we can help you best. Um, we've helped lots and lots of companies over the years. Um, this is what we do. Um, so we like to think that we're experts in the field um, of immigration specifically and, and you know, any type of recruitment that obviously goes hand in hand with that uh, when it's a migrant worker. Um, for companies here in New Zealand. And it, seems, it seems like the changes coming up are making it um, 
adding some complexity. And I think you know, there's probably some sound rationale as to why some of those things are coming into, into place, but it's looking more and more like um, if you can get some expert advice, uh, do it right, then it's probably going to get better outcomes for your for your organization than if you uh, try to try to do the, um, I'll just try to wing it here and see what, see what happens. Um, I think particularly with the staff that you've got on board right now that you want to retain, figure out how to, how to help them stay in your employment and with your team and your organization right now and then quickly start um, you know preparing for what's coming down the down the pipe because comes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of going these massive demand in the construction sector we've got a very closed labor pool and getting access to, to good labor and keeping that you know it's um, it's bizarre how it uh, how it goes from one side to the other in terms of construction cycles, but uh, we've been in upside construction cycle for a very long time, and those skilled people are hard to come by. So uh, you've got to be pretty proactive in retaining them Absolutely. and acquiring them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and as part of that retaining, obviously the accreditation is super super important. Um, what we've also done in the past as well as obviously preparing accreditation applications is um, some companies have said, oh, well, we'll do it ourselves, but can you come through and basically audit our systems and make sure that there's nothing here that's going to trip us up? Um, and using that as like a, a self-reflection um, sort of opportunity, um, there's nothing wrong with seeing how you can do things better. Um, it'll make everything easier in the long run. So whether that's getting advice about visa options or um, ways that you might do things or how to prepare and get your accreditation sorted, um, these are all things that we can assist with. Um, I've got mine and uh, my colleague Hillary's um, emails below if anyone wants to get in touch. Um, what we, I, I don't know if anyone that's here today um, receives my email updates. Um, I send out a newsletter with updates as and when there's a change in immigration or employment law policy and how that might affect anyone that has migrant staff. But yeah, so if anyone's interested, you can email me, we can add you to that database. So, you know, when there was every time there's a change with minimum wages or there's a change to the median wage and how that's going to affect um, visas or any visa changes that we know that have been announced or are being rolled out, you know, we send out an update. Um, we do try to make sure that it's written in a way that means that it's um, accessible and understandable to people who don't deal with immigration policy uh, day in, day out. Um, so if you're interested in that, um, you can get in touch and we'll add you to that database so you've got details of what's happening. Thank you, Nassim. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time. People have really appreciated your, your insights and guidance today. So thanks, Nassim. We appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Happy to help. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye.